Winner's Circle Podcast, the potluck of entrepreneurship, where we interview a variety of dope creators, small business owners, and entrepreneurs. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and also drop us a like or a comment. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share to the world, or just think it'll be fun to have your own talk show. Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listen to all major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and much more within minutes of you finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their messages out to the world. Let's create something great together. If you sign up today, click the link in the show notes, and you'll also receive a $20 Amazon gift card. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. What's up, everybody? Nicole with Winter Circle Podcast and Outreach, and you are tuned into another segment of Culture Flash brought to you by the Winter Circle. Thanks so much for sticking with us during our little hiatus. We took a break to take a breather, lift our feet up off the ground, and have a little bit of fun. And now we're ready to get right back into it. So I have a word on my heart lately. Um, not too much of an intro today, just a few things. I have been thinking about and it's so funny how these things come to your mind and you see how they are linked right to you so I have this word on this these two words on my mind as a matter of fact and the words are reproductive justice for those of us who aren't familiar with what reproductive justice is if it seems pretty self-explanatory it's because it kind of is um reproductive justice is in the least amount of words and as defined by atlanta's own sister song reproductive justice organization um, collective is the right to maintain personal bodily autonomy have children not have children and parent children in safe and sustainable communities so what does that mean and why is that important to anybody so for me i think it's been coming around in my head so much because in this last year and a half, I guess now, as this country has suffered and recovered and suffered and recovered from COVID over and over again, like with this new Delta variant, um, as the rest of the world suffers, places in India, all over Africa with discrepancies uh, regarding distribution of vaccines, it's always... I feel like anybody would be remiss not to mention the distinct difference that people um, that people have to address when it comes to reproductive health and things like global pandemics. Or even, for example, in my reading, they talked about the way that people and women suffered during even the 2008 recession. So, <clears throat> reproductive just talks about. Um, a person's right to be able to reproduce, to have access to reproductive resources that may include uh, contraception, it could include access to health facilities, 
all those types of things. So um, that's been really on my mind lately. And I did a little bit of research and according to the Gut Matcher Institute, more than 40% of women reported that because of COVID-19, they changed their plans about when to have children, how many children to have, um, changes in fertility preferences were made. Uh, it was really common for people without any children um, to to take and make drastic decisions about their um, trajectory, their view, and how they want to move forward in their life with their ability to reproduce. Um, 34% of women decided they wanted to get pregnant later or wanted fewer children because of the effects of the pandemic. And you can only imagine with the pandemic, people suffered food insecurity. People suffered job insecurity. This is another thing where um, there were planned parenthoods all over the world where in some places they had to shut down a hundred facilities. So you can imagine for anybody who uh, has job insecurity and may suffer from the inability to maintain um, healthcare um, as far as, what's that? Insurance. I was about to say, what's that shit called? As far as insurance, you can imagine places like Planned Parenthood and other um, facilities that advocate for reproductive access to different resources, products, and even just down to information, you can imagine that the closing of a hundred of those facilities in any place is critical, especially for over a year and a half when people, imagine one for people who are already carrying children, people who are dealing with putting, um, with supporting family members and, and, and peers and community members through, through even puberty, you know? <clears throat> so that is a very drastic idea. Um, there were sharp disparities between uh, fertility preferences and women ex- women belonging to groups experiencing systemic health and social uh, inequalities. Black women, for example, 44%. Hispanic women, 48%. Were more likely than white women, 28%, to state that because of the pandemic, they wanted to have children later or wanted fewer children. Queer women, 46%, were more likely than straight women, 33%, to report such a change in fertility preference. Lower income women, 37%, were more likely than higher income women to report the same change. In contrast, only 17% of women wanted to have a child sooner or wanted to have more children because of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, I'm sitting, I'm trying to be introspective, and I would like to put myself in the shoes of somebody who... Um, just for some, some perspective of somebody who suffered maybe, or didn't suffer through this pandemic and decided that, uh, the effects of this pandemic brought on a desire to want more, more children, uh, things like that. I don't know if perhaps say, for example, the amount, the mortality of people that was, like, exposed during this time may lead you to be like, listen, I have to preserve my bloodline. I need somebody to carry my last name. If I don't make it out of this, I need to know that I have people behind me that are going to ensure that my lineage continues. You know what I'm saying? Things like that matter to people. Heritage, lineage, like... Those things make a big difference. The preservation of those things is very important. So I'm going to go ahead and although it probably would not have been me, I probably would have been among those who said that this pandemic showed me um, 
the fragility of people, of this country, of this government that we are under, um, the fact that we have to deal with bipartisan politics and that waiting on things like, um, what are those called? Lord of mercy, stimulus checks, waiting or not waiting, whether we're going to get, whether we're not going to get the idea that there are people who work in dignified positions, dignified jobs that, that help to push and boost our community forward just as much as any other. And you look and and they're gone. They're losing their jobs. They don't have access to them. They, they, you know, their job, their, their employers can't sustain the amount of employees that they have. They don't have the budget for it. Even places, large corporations were willing to lay off, um, innumerable amounts of people to preserve their budgets and to preserve, uh, their income and, and, and the output of money that they had during the, the pandemic. And that's just, for me, a very harrowing thought. The amount of insecurity that that then places on us, the people who are like, you know, the people who are sitting at home watching the news, watching the updates on Twitter, uh, bantering among friends about what comes next and what happens next. That made me belong to the group of people who was like, hmm, I don't know. As if there weren't enough already. But now they're, you know, we're amongst people who are like, I don't know if I am willing to make an attempt to sustain that in my lifetime. You know what I'm saying? But that saying all that to say that um, these things can't be overlooked. Another really important thing that I thought about um, was access to reproductive health products and resources. Um, there was, and there still is actually an organization based in, I believe, Brooklyn, New York. They came, we had the pleasure of speaking to them back when I was in college and I was working as a sexual, uh, assault preventative peer educator. That was such a weird way to say that, but, um, we came and we were trained by an organization called Black Women's Blueprint. And one part of their organization is what's called the Sisters Van, where they have equipped this. They bought out a van, they gutted it, and they've equipped it with reproductive health resources, information, menstrual products. I mean, you name it. You name it. And they literally ride around. They come out into the communities and they bring these things to the people that need them. This could includes contraception. So just thinking about accessibility and that those types of organizations even exist one is just some you know that's those people are very fortunate to be able to provide those resources for people and um, the people who are able to receive them are also fortunate that they have that um, but not everybody has that and I've just been thinking about the places that we live in and it's so funny we think about places like oh you know the people suffering in Baltimore people suffering in DC people suffering I know for PG County we uh, despite our prestige as the most affluent county, um, we don't often talk about some of the uh, areas in our county that really suffer from things like inaccessibility. So definitely thinking about that and how we could move on um, something like reusable um, period products, things that don't require a frequent expense, having to go out and buy and buy and buy all the time. When there are, when there's something like a global pandemic going on, for many of us, there was a point in time where we weren't allowed to leave the house. Now, fortunately in Maryland, um, 
our restrictions were a, a little looser than in some other places, like say, for example, New York or Atlanta. But, um, imagine if you couldn't leave the house and you were among the people who, um, deal with menstrual periods and you need access. You imagine if you could not only couldn't you leave the house, you had been relieved of your job because of COVID-19. And now you're wondering how are you going to provide uh, menstrual hygiene products to yourself or to your children or to your siblings or to whoever may need them. So I was just thinking of ways that would provide people with one, the information that they need to take care of themselves and two, um, how they can make these things last. So for example, a lot of people I don't know about or I don't know if they know about reusable menstrual cups. I just happened to find out one of my closest friends didn't even know that they were a thing. Um, But at a time like this where we're fighting about taxes on period products, we're fighting about accessibility, we're fighting about abortion, you know what I'm saying? There's so much divisiveness among us. And um, people don't even have the necessary information. So in the midst of a pandemic, when we couldn't leave the house to buy a pad or a tampon, something that would have been very, very useful would have been these silicone reusable menstrual cups. So um, I'm not going to go too much into those, but they would definitely be something that I imagine would, you know, if I were to facilitate a sister's van or if we were to, you know, come together as a community and say, hey, how are we going to be able to bring some reproductive resources out into our communities where they need them the most, where people can't leave the house, where people are more susceptible to illnesses and COVID-19, where people have been more susceptible and have been made uh, um victim to uh layoffs and things like that um how can we help sustain them how can we come together as a community and help them in a very 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 crucial time of need so that has been lately where my mind has been reproductive justice has been very heavily on my mind especially as other countries continue to suffer with covid especially as this country is still kind of on the fritz about what's going on what is this delta variant and it's so much bigger than covid but you know for many and i'm guilty of it we begin to see the urgency of things when it really hit the fan you know what i'm saying so um you begin to notice your own privilege. I didn't have to suffer during COVID-19 because I was very fortunate to have access to things that I needed. But I try to practice this introspection where I realize that I am only a drop in the pond. And there is so much more that I don't see. There's a lot of um, tragedy. There's a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of things that we don't even acknowledge, not acknowledge, but recognize are going on, is going on right under our nose in our own community. So this word again, reproductive justice has been very heavily on my mind in light of that. Um, in my research, I was very fortunate to discover the sister song organization that just so happens to be based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it is a uh, reproductive justice collective um shout out to them they have been around since 1997 they uh were formed even the, the the term reproductive justice was born out of the necessity in the 90s to combat discrepancies within the women's rights movements that didn't acknowledge queer people didn't acknowledge black women latino women uh people overall 
that didn't fall under the umbrella of white cis hetero you know what i'm saying and that and that's no shade that's just simply acknowledging the reality of a lot of times we have to remove ourselves from these larger movements and say hey are we are our needs being met too because a lot of times our needs are not theirs so this was reproductive justice as a movement was born out of that and in turn um sister song based in atlanta georgia was formed in 1997 by 16 organizations of women of color from four many communities, Native American, African American, Latina, and Asian American, who recognize that they have the right and responsibility, this is off their wonderful, beautiful website, to represent themselves and their communities in the equally compelling needs to advance the perspectives and needs of women of color. So I just want to send a huge shout out to them and basically just tag them as an organization to watch and to participate in and to be a part of if possible and to just observe what they're doing in our in you know the community of Atlanta and beyond to ensure that um the needs of people everywhere the reproductive needs of 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 marginalized communities are met um another organization that I really wanted to shout out and show some love to because they are really peaking on community accountability they're really peaking on saying hey let's bring our peers into our own communities and talk about the necessities of sexual health education comprehensive education um knowing our rights voting rights they are really doing the work and they have been for many years now so i wanted to shout out the young women's project of washington dc and what they're doing, what their mission is and their impact is um, at a time where everybody needs it. So they're based in D.C. Their programs engage under-resourced youth of color from 14 to 22 with a focus on teen women and youth in the foster care system. Uh, They're organized to issue campaigns driven by long-term system change-focused goals and are chosen entirely by the youth that they recruit for their programs. Um, So they have two different arms and branches if you will the foster care campaign and the peer health and sexuality education project which is called faith um so definitely check them out and see i really really compel everybody to please take heed to this information and i really compel you to get involved to get your families your friends your communities involved and um just just answer the call the need is there it's right in front of our faces and you know like i always say you don't have to be a martyr to matter you don't have to gut yourself of your own resources you don't have to gut yourself of of your own time and energy just put a little something a little something whether it just be spreading the word about even this podcast we're in a circle podcast out in outreach you know because we are really trying to see that the heavy weight lifting the heavy lifting as far as this this responsibility goes is distributed among all of us so thanks again for tuning in guys i really wrapped today but thanks again for tuning in um once again shout out the young women's project of washington dc and the sister song reproductive health collective of atlanta georgia check them out they will be tagged and keep tuning in with winter circle podcast for of course the next issue of the culture flash newsletter will be coming to you next monday by the time you hear this it'll be monday of this new week blessed assurance be blessed guys and we'll catch you on the flip bye
What's up, guys? This podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is an easy way for you to monetize your podcast. It helps podcasters have a flat rate for your ad space so you know how much you're making from Podgo. You can apply today to become a member and immediately be connected to advertisers that fit your audience. You can do that by going to podgo.co. That's P-O-D-G-O.co. Start now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Winner's Circle Podcast. We are grateful to share the stories of businesses and brands that shape our community. The great thing about being a guest on our podcast is that we're able to share the untold story to people who need to hear it. With our podcast being on nine platforms, over 3,000 downloads and streams, 100 subscribers, over 100 plays weekly, and 600 plays monthly, we bring brand awareness, visibility, and recognition to everyone who's a guest on our show. If you'd like to be our next guest, please reach out to us on all social media platforms at WCPO LLC.